Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, Listen, we are finishing up our series, and so if you would turn with me to Psalms 46. So we kicked this off a couple weeks ago, and I I just want to say a few things before uh, we launch into the message today. Uh, I began this two two weeks ago. It was in my heart to do a three-parter during this time of season, uh, anchored the theme that kind of popped up, and we've been discussing that the last two weeks. Um, We're going to finish it out today. I want to just make sure that we all know that this is just based on the season of life that we're in, and I think that this is applicable anytime you find yourself in a storm. And so um, I get questions and comments about, you know, is this about the election? Is this about whatever and all this and that? And and you can associate those things, but the reality is 2020 has been the stormiest year on record. (laughs) It is, it has, it has been. And I believe that there's a parallel, spiritually speaking, that we're in, we're we're battling a lot of storms spiritually as well. And so I think it's applicable at any time. So I don't, I want to make sure that you know that it's not a a response necessarily to specific kind of instances or events. I just believe it's the season that we find ourselves in. Now today is is different because when I was looking ahead to the three-parter, um, I had this Sunday looking at, uh, talking about the anchor of gratitude, which I, which I think that's a, that's a huge anchor, and I, and I think that we all need to understand that. Um, that's where I was headed, and then I really felt that it's, my heart changed. God didn't change, but my heart changed, and, and I was listening, and, and I was feeding. I don't know about you, but I listen to podcasts, and I read, and every week, I love to bring you a message. I get to study, and I get to bring it a couple times, um, but then I also have time that I got to feed, and I got to find time to do that as well for myself. And so uh, there was a message that I came across that was spoken by one of the people I listened to, and it just grabbed me almost like no other message that I've heard before. And I just really felt that the Lord dropped in my heart, my spirit, that, that this was what was supposed to be shared today. So I want to share it with you. I'm a little apprehensive because I know how it impacted me. I'm not sure how it's going to come out, but I'm just going to trust God in that. And I believe it's a great way to wrap up our series today. Uh, so looking in Psalms 46, we're going to look at... Um, this story here. Um, it's not, we've been in the New Testament with Paul talking about uh, the storms in Acts 27 and the, um, the importance of uh, uh, being anchored properly and how that can save your life, save your marriage, save your family, save your finances. Uh, last week, we looked at the anchor of being a cheerful giver in the midst of the giving season we find ourselves in. All the things associated with what we're experiencing today, there's financial uncertainty, and, and we see that there's so many more people in need of help, and we're thankful that we can do that. You, you see it anytime you turn on the news and you watch the reports and the economy. And so we found that there is an anchor in the word. And, and interestingly enough, it is uh, the way to be anchored in the midst of a financial storm is to be a cheerful giver, according to the Lord. Amen. And I want to thank you for being the most generous church on the planet. You have to be. I just can't imagine being anybody even be more generous. And so thank you for that. Uh, today, we're going to switch over into Psalms, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's important. Um, probably a lot of us will know different bits and pieces because they're great quotes, they're <laughs> coffee mugs, refrigerator magnets. But I think the power in this is the context. I, I always, always feels important for us when we look at Scripture and stories to go back and get the context because you really fully understand why it was written, who it was written, and the power of it. I believe this is one of those Scriptures. So in Psalms 46, you find the people of Jerusalem living in fear because around them, the Assyrian army has been conquering everybody. And so the king, the evil king of Assyria has brought 185,000 
soldiers that are the most terrifying force on the planet. They are the most advanced militarily. They had the most advanced weaponry. They had the, the greatest strategic minds, and they just terrorized nations. They, they not only overwhelmed them with their physical might, but they overwhelmed them with psychological warfare. In fact, one of the things that the Assyrian army would do before they came to attack a group of people or a nation, or in this case, the city of Jerusalem, is they would send tablets. They would write on tablets as if to send things into the community or into the city, and would de- on them would be pictures depicting what they would do to them. And uh, a couple of pictures, and I, I did the research and I looked, and you can see tablets of the Assyrian army. Uh, one of them was um, uh, they were capturing soldiers and pulling out their beards, the hair on their beards, just pulling them out and torturing them. Um, another one was they were impaling them. I don't want to get into all the detail of that, but what they would do is overwhelm you with fear first, hoping to f- defeat you psychologically or with fear initially, and then come in physically. And they would just utterly destroy people. They would do horrible, unspeakable things to women and children. And it would be like today, if you if we could do it this way, that they would come and they would put billboards up in Jerusalem, right, all over with pictures of what they intend to do with the people of Jerusalem. They would they would send TikToks and whatever that is, and all these kind of things. And and the point was, they would so try and overwhelm them with fear that the battle would be not quite as intense. But nonetheless, they were the most feared army on the planet. So that's the context. The people of Jerusalem are facing an army of 185,000 and they're trying to put out the ideas of the tortures and the horrible things that, that would befall them. They, they didn't have the ability or capacity to stand against a force like that. Nobody did. They were the most powerful army on the planet. This psalm was written, uh, scholars believe, around 701 BC when this was all happening and what the Assyrians were doing and taking over the area and the intent was to attack and take over Jerusalem. There is the context for you. In a time of national turmoil, they, they, they found themselves uh, just in fear and in uncertainty, and they had no ability to defend themselves under any circumstances with what they're facing, and the Spirit of God gave them hope. Aren't you glad for God and the Spirit of God? That no matter what's happening around about you, there is always hope, and 2,700 years later, our same God gives us the same hope. So let's read Psalms 46.1. Here's what it says. New Living Translation this morning. God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. Another translation, maybe you're more familiar if you grew up in church, an ever-present help in time of need. What a powerful scripture, but now if you associate that now with the context I gave you, this is what was put on the psalmist's heart in the time of 701 BC when the Jerusalem city of Jerusalem was facing the, the terrifying 185,000 special elite, special forces warriors of the Assyrian army. And God is saying he's always ready. He's always there. An ever-present help in trouble. The moment you're in trouble, he's ready. Your situation never catches God off guard. God never gets caught by surprise. Isn't that good to know? We do constantly. I mean, things change daily for us, but God does not get moved by our changing circumstances. He never says, I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't see that coming. He says, I'm an ever-present help in time of trouble. Now look at that phrase, ever-present help. It's an important phrase to understand the origins of it. I don't think the English words do it justice. Really doesn't help us understand it uh, to to the way I believe that we should or could. Uh, The English words can't truly help us understand what it means. So let's go back to the original language, uh, the Old Testament written in Hebrew. And so the ever-present help comes from two Hebrew words, nimsa miad. 
Okay, so a little bit more of a teaching thing this morning. Isn't it good to come to church and learn something, not just be inspired, motivated, right? It's good to learn about the Bible, right? Come on, all right. So if you got live notes, it'll be in there for you. But nimsa miad, two words there. Now, nimsa means to be discovered, to be encountered, to be experienced. He's saying an ever-present help is something that somebody just can't tell you about, you just can't read about. You have to experience him. You have to experience him in the moment. In other words, I just can't tell you about the attributes of God. There are really no words. You have to experience him for yourselves. Nimsa meaning to be experienced. Uh, let me give you an example. My wife and I in September were out seeing Pastors Josh and Christina, and we went to the Grand Canyon. We were three hours away. We'd never been. We'd heard stories. We'd seen pictures. We saw movies. But it paled in comparison to standing on the edge of the canyon and looking out at this vast expanse of God's creation, and we were just in awe. We have heard about it. We read about it, but nothing compared to being there in that moment. And we find ourselves unable to really truly describe it to other people, and we end up going like this, you just have to experience it for yourself. An ever-present help. Nimsa, experience God for yourselves. How about I could tell you about an incredible night. My wife and I were in India one night, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And there's this room, it's hot, it's sweaty, there's 150 missionaries there, and they are worshiping the God like I have never seen and experienced. I don't understand Hindi, it was all in Hindi, and, and the music was terrible, and there wasn't really any singers, it was just every man and woman for themselves, and, and they were lifting and abandoned, they were dancing, they were shouting, and it was an incredible experience. I don't know I've ever felt anything like that. I don't even know how to begin to describe it to you. Had to be experienced. I remember being in Jerusalem a couple years ago and we had the privilege of going with my pastor, Pastor Hagen, and we were baptized in the Jordan River. And the idea of being baptized in the Jordan River at the spot where Jesus was baptized, and I know all the stories in scripture, I know geographically where it all is, I know what happened in a moment. And then I, I can't describe to you walking into the, uh, to the cold Jordan River, it was freezing, I'd never been anything that cold in my life. And, and then, and, and then the, the muddy water, it looked like chocolate milk, I was expecting this beautiful scene. And, and we're in there and getting baptized it coming up, I could never really do justice with my words. You'd have to experience it. Nimsa, an ever-present help. He is to be experienced. In the midst of whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, he is a God to experience. He is there. He is always ready. He is to be experienced. You have to experience them. That is my prayer today, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what storm you're, you're, you're facing, that you would experience the very real presence of God I could never even describe. Nimsa miad, an ever-present help. Miad is the word that tries to describe the presence of God, and it means exceedingly abundant, exceedingly much. What's, one person wrote the muchness of God, and I love that because I love making up words. The muchness of God, right? I don't know how to say it, but the muchness of God. There is so much of his goodness, we can't even fit it into words. In times of trouble, God overflows with exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength. That's what our God does. So here's the question. What does that mean for you and I today? Okay, for a 701 BC with the Syrian army surrounding Jerusalem, but what about my battle today, my storm today, facing my enemies? What does that mean? What is God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble? What does Nimsa Miad mean today? When you stay awake at night and you're worried about what the world will look like with your kids. Are they going to find a, a vaccine? When's that going to happen? Are my kids ever going to go back to school? What, what does it look like when you are, are maybe a little fearful of going to gatherings or going to places because it's surging again and hospitals are filling up and 
Do you feel safe? What, what, is it, what does it mean when you feel there's uncertainty in your job because so many people have been furloughed, layoff, or lost their jobs? What does it mean when things are happening in the economy? What does it mean when your children are headed down a destructive path and doesn't seem like there's anything you can do to help them? What does it mean when your marriage is barely hanging on and you are just at the wit's end, the last moment? What, is, what does it mean when your faith, which was at one point strong, but now is not what it once was. What, what does that mean? It means that our God is exactly what you need when you need him, and he is so much more. Nimsa Miat. He's exactly what you need when you need him, and so much more. Miat. That's what that means in those moments. Nimsa Miat. Your ever-present help in time of trouble. The goodness of God that cannot be explained, only experienced. He is no matter what you're facing, exactly what you need in that moment, and he is so much more. Who is our God? I appreciate Pastor Cody stepping up. He had no idea what I was preaching on this morning. I believe the Lord let him. Who is our God? If you're anxious, he is our peace. If you're hurting, he is our comforter. If you're lacking, he is our provider. If you're weak, he is our strength. If you're discouraged, he is our hope. Who is our God? If you sin, he is our righteousness. And if you're in trouble, he's our fortress. If you're being attacked, he is our defender. If you're shaky, he is your rock. Nimsamiad, an ever-present help in time of need. He's exactly what you need when you need him and so much more. And we know that because of the finished work of the cross. We can trust him. God knew exactly what we needed, when we needed it, and so much more. He is the immovable one. The finished work of the cross. See, it's one thing we've been talking about dropping anchors. We're going to get to one in just a moment. But an anchor is only as good as what it's connected to. It has to be connected to something immovable so you can trust that the anchor will hold because it's connected to the immovable one. He is an ever-present help in time of need. He is Nimsamiyad. He is that for you and I. Who's our God? Who do you need him to be? I mean, the reality is for every single one of us in this room, we might need him to be something different. Guess what? He's that. He's exactly that. Who do you need him to be? Who do you need him to be in the moment? He is that and so much more. God knows exactly what you're going through and he's exactly what you need when you need him. And he is so much more. Psalms 46, go back to the story, verses six through seven, New Living Translation. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. I love that. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. He's here among us. Who is the one that is here among us? Emmanuel, going into Christmas season, God with us. He is Jesus. The Lord of heaven's armies came to be with you and I. He's the immovable one. Think about that. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. An ever-present help. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He is here among us. Our God is big enough to oversee the world, verse 6, and loving enough to care about you. He knows the exact details of what's going on in your life. I, I, I can't tell you about him. You have to experience him. Let's look at verse 8. It says this. And it says this, in fact. You have to experience him for yourself. So come see the glorious works of the Lord. See him for yourself. Press in, lean in. 
Come see. Hold on to him. Draw near to him. The Bible says he will draw near to you. Cry unto him and he will answer. Call out to him and he will move a step closer to you. Come see. Nimsamiyad. Experience him. He's everything you need and so much more. He delights in revealing himself to you and he's exactly what you need when you need him and so much more. Okay, that's the good part. I don't know if the good part's the right way to say it. That's maybe the easy part. Now the hard part. And, and, and I hope you all understand what I'm talking about when we, when we get into this. But, but the hard part, that was inspiring. Inspiring, that was motivating. But, but this next part, may find, you may find it a little more difficult to hear, even more difficult to do. Now imagine with me if you're in 701 BC, back to the context of what this was written in, and the Assyrian army is coming to attack and you hear all the horrible things that they're gonna do to you and they'll do to your, your, your family, your kids, your, your city, and you don't even have the power to protect your family. It's an overwhelming force you have no control over and life is full of fear and uncertainty. And you know what they promised to do. You saw the billboards, you saw the TikTok, you saw all the social media, you saw it all and you don't have the power to stop it. And here are the instructions you get from God. Verse 46.10 says this, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the fear, and here are the instructions from God, be still and know that I am God. Are you kidding me? Be still? Do you understand what's happening? I can't control this, it's overwhelming, there's fear, there's uncertainty, I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know what they promised to do, and and I have no power to control them, I have no power to do anything, and you say be still? Yeah, be still. How can I be still? Because he's an ever-present help in time of need. But I'm not wired that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I can be still for days on end. I'm just, you know, my wife said, will you get up and do something? Uh, I, but in these situations like this, there's something in us that wanna, we want to defend. We want to fight back. We want to We want to control. I want to be a part of the solution. I mean, there's things I can do. Be still, be still. And we have a problem with being still. Maybe we don't completely understand the ever-present help in time of need. But there are some times when God gives you an assignment, be still. And we can't, we can't do that because that means we can't be in control. Be still, that means we can't voice our opinion. Be still means we can't fix anything. We can't rescue anyone. Be still means we can't be important. Be still means we can't be the main character. But God says, I'm the main character. And there's some battles only God can win. In fact, there are times when your only assignment, listen, there's times when your only assignment is to be still and know that he is God. Sometimes that's your only assignment. So what do you do? You try not to tangle the rope this week. You were here last week. Let's not do that. Ah, get it? No, okay. All right. Stick to the sermon, not to the comedy. Okay. Here we go. The anchor attached to the finished work of the cross. It's our immovable one. Yeah, there we go. What is that? Come on. It's like a, it's like a harness. All right. You get the picture, right? Okay. The anchor, and this, I hope, help me, Lord, get across. The anchor attached to the ever present help in your time of need, to Nimsa Miad, is being still. 
how many times you gotta drop the anchor and be still? There's sometimes that's the only assignment God gives you in overwhelming circumstances against overwhelming odds where you see no way out, no way around, and everything in you wants to fight back, push back, do something. And God says, drop the anchor of being still. This is my battle. And don't worry, the anchor will hold. And that is the hard thing for us. And God says, be still. So you drop the anchor and be still and know that he is God. The anchor will hold. It doesn't say be worried. It doesn't say be afraid. It doesn't say be anxious. It doesn't say be a knucklehead on social media. I added that. That wasn't necessarily spirit of God, but I think he would say the same thing. It doesn't say that. There's some things you don't even know about. We think we're experts on this. We think we're experts on race. We think we're experts on economy. We think we're experts on politics. Really? Sometimes you just need to be still. Drop the anchor of being still. Still in Hebrew is the word Rafa. You'll see it in your notes. Rafa is to be quiet. To be quiet. Relax. It means to give yourself slack. In other words, give yourself a break. Sometimes God has to tell you, give yourself a break. You haven't figured it out yet. I got this one. This is beyond you. This is above your pay grade. Give yourself a break. Be still and know that I am God. There are some battles that are just for the Lord and your assignment is to be still. The anchor will hold. He's big enough to do what is needed when you need it and so much more. Be still and know That word know that comes from experiencing, comes from experiencing, from nimsa. Not reading, not hearing, but experiencing. Okay, so what happened to the people? I mean, okay, but let's finish the story out now. So here's the assignment, an overwhelming, uh, uh, terrible army coming, and then God says, be still, and know I'm God. Well, what happens? Well, let me tell you what happens. Let me finish out the story for you. Um, you, can, you can actually read it for yourself. Second Chronicles 32 is an account of the story. Second Kings 19, not in your notes. Second Chronicles 32, Second Kings 19. Same story, two versions. The Assyrians plan their attack. King Hezekiah, the king of Jerusalem at that time, prayed one prayer. You can read that in both those accounts. He prayed one prayer, and the God who was always ready to help and ever-present help in time of need sent one angel, one angel, and that one angel dismantled 185,000 of the fiercest, most feared, well-trained elite soldiers on the planet. Not a legion of angels, not a squad of angels, not his favorite ones. He sent one angel, the God of the universe, who is an ever-present help in time of your need, sent one angel to destroy overwhelming, insurmountable odds against him. One angel. I love that. Our God is exactly what you need when you need him and so much more. Big enough to oversee the the whole world and loving enough to intervene in your life. Just one. See, some of you, what you need today is just one touch. Just one touch. Uh, Some of you need just one angel. I I need just that one angel in this situation. Some of you just need one Scripture, just one scripture to hold on to, to stand on. Some of you need one word. I just need one 
word from God. Some need one message, maybe this message this morning, one answered prayer, one song, one moment in his presence where he says, be still, be still, mom, be still, dad, be still, provider, be still, grandma, grandpa, be still, single mom, be still, single dad, be still, teenager, be still, young adult, be still, unemployed, Be still, sick and weary. Be still and know that he is God. Sometimes you just need one moment in his presence. It can change everything. And look and see what God did. What he declared in 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation on the planet. God will be honored by every nation on the planet and I will be honored throughout the world. That's our God. That's our God. That's our good. Look how good he is. Look how big he is. So what do you need God to be? Who do you need God to be? Because our God is exactly what you need when you need him and so much more. He is our refuge and strength and ever-present help and ever-present help in time of trouble. He is the immovable one. He is the one the anchor holds to. The anchor will hold, be still and know. So what are we gonna do? Here's what I saw in my heart, why I felt that this was where God wanted me to go. We're gonna take a moment right now. Because all we need is one moment, right? I mean, all we need is one song maybe. One moment to be still, and that's hard for some of us. Some of you don't know what it is to be still. But right now, I'm gonna ask you to be still. And the band, the worship team, come on up, guys. All I know to do, all I know to do is create an environment where he can be experienced. NIMSA. Where I believe God's saying, tree of life, families, no matter what you're facing, going through right now, right now in this moment, just be still for a moment. Block everything out of your mind. Just close your eyes maybe. And they're going to sing a song that you do not know probably and just allow it to minister to your heart and your spirit. And then when we come to the conclusion of that song, then we're all going to engage and respond. But you know what? We're just going to take one moment to be still and know our God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.